Welcome to Spirits, a boozy dive into myths and legends, where we, two history nerds, get tipsy and discuss mythology, legends, and folklore from around the world. I, Julia, bring the expertise, while Amanda here brings, well, enthusiasm. Yeah, I get to learn along with you, the listener, in every episode as Julia regales us with her tales. And, you know, I just make a lot of Harry Potter references. So this week, guys, it is our one-year anniversary. One year! We wanted to do something really, really fun and exciting for you guys. So we did 30 myths in 30 minutes. Oh my God, Julia, that's like, that's like one class period in high school, learning way more than the like AP world history curriculum in a whole year. Fuck AP world history. (laughs) (laughs) We uh, had so much fun recording this and we hope that you guys enjoy it as well. There are so many stories that I love guys that we just either don't have time to tell you, or there's not enough information out there for me to tell you about. So we tried to condense this rapid fire tour of every myth that I wish we could do a full episode on, which we probably will do a full episode on a couple of these because I stopped during research. I'm like, damn, we should do this. Yeah, we're like clearing the docket. And I think it's a pretty great way to start our second year. And by the way, all of the names and countries of origin for these myths are in the descriptions. You can Google them later. You're going to want to. Guys, we had so much fun doing this episode. So let us know on Twitter and Facebook if you want to know more about any of them. I'm happy to walk you through it on Facebook or through email or whatever you want to do. Julia's like your pocket has story and here for the questions whenever you have them. That's true. And you know what else I love, Jules? I love our supporting producer-level patrons, Leanne Davis, Shannon Alford, Phil Fresh, and Brandon Grugel. Thank you guys for your support. Brandon Grugel, you snuck in under the wire there. Snuck in under the wire like two hours before we're recording. Excellent. Um, And we also want to thank the 36 other patrons, her knights in shining armor, sustaining us through our first year. Our beautiful dragon-destroying wonders. Starfish? Starfish? No, that doesn't work. (laughs) That's a good image. Uh, But we are so grateful for every single one of you. Your presence is a present. But if you, the listener want to give us a gift for our anniversary. Our new audience survey is the way to do that. It takes five minutes. It'll help us find sponsors for our show. Keep this train rolling. It's at spiritspodcast.com slash survey. Please do it. We want to get sponsors. We want more money to buy more drinks and And to tell you better myths. To make this weekly, potentially. And the way that we can do that is by getting some sponsors for the show and really like helping us sustain this um, going forward. So again, that's spiritspodcast.com slash survey. It's going to take five minutes and we will be able to give you so much more creepy, cool material to just for you to love. And our website's pretty banging. So just check out spiritspodcast.com. Amanda did a new website and it's so beautiful. It just basically, it shows Allison's artwork so perfectly. So uh, thank you, Allison. And while we're making thanks for our, our one year anniversary for the logo of a lifetime. And thanks to Eric for working his audio mancer magic on each and every episode. Thanks to our fellow podcasters accepting us with open arms and including us in this amazing audio community. And thank you for our parents for no longer enforcing swear jars. Here's to another year. And with that, folks, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 27, 30 Myths in 30 Minutes. The anniversary bonanza. So, Julia, over the past year, we have taught people over 26 separate myths. This is episode 27. And so in the last year, we have done some roundups and some episodes had multiple things and multiple traditions. But we taught people like 30-ish myths from around the world. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, so today we're going to double that corpus. Yep. And we're Fuck it. Gonna we're going to break our record. 30 myths in one episode. It's going to be nuts. Why? Frankly, because we like pain and challenging ourselves. We like pain and just some of these myths don't require full episodes. So we might as well just get them out of the way. There's some awesome stories. It's great stuff. We can make more jokes with you on Twitter. We can get more fan art of these lovely myths that we love. 
Oh, it's going to be great. It is really going to be good. You ready for this? I mean, I hope it's going to be good. It's, I mean, it is going to be good. I've had a lot of cold medicine. I'm not going to lie to you right okay, now. Okay, let's fucking do this thing. Okay, then. kids, don't, don't mix narcotics and drinking. Don't do that. I'm not drinking. I'm just, I'm just sick. <laughs> okay. She's so sick. I'm so sick. All right, you ready? Whew, I'm ready. Starting off in Greece because, of course, it's Greece. That's where it all uh, began. We're going with- Incest is fine. That's my yes. lesson. Always good. Uh, we're going with the story of Cliote. She's an ocean nymph she's totally in love with helios which is the titan and personification of the sun that i know from being a, a speaker of english but helios is in love with another woman he's hard in his heart against cliote so mm. to kind of make sure that he falls in love with her again because she is desperate for his love she strips down naked and lays in a field where she can watch the sun rise and set unobstructed Sounds like a great way to get skin cancer she lies there for nine days does not eat or drink anything oh shit she dies Helios feels a little bit bad, so he turns her into a flower known as the heliotrope, which is, like, beautiful and It is a beautiful flower. I really thought you were going to say she turns into fruit leather, which is probably what happened to her after nine days in the sun. I mean, probably. Let's be real. Uh, she, she's probably more like a dry fish because she's an ocean nymph. God, Julie, that was too specific. I'm sorry. Okay, moving on. Chinamasta, Hindu goddess of self-sacrifice and sexual restraint. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Um, she cut off her own head and enjoys parading around with it while three spurts of blood flow out of her open neck. Uh, oh, yep. Uh, and then these three spurts are then drunk by her severed head and two of her attendants. Why sexual restraint and self-sacrifice? So it's interesting because some demons mixed up this immortality elixir. Okay. And so she drank the elixir and then in order to make sure they didn't get it, cut off her own head. Oh, yeah, that is very interesting. I don't know why sexual restraint, but that's why the that's why my restraint. brain was like, I just don't see those two things as going together. Maybe I don't know. Maybe in the future, taking the backseat to other people, whatever. Okay, doesn't matter. All right, moving on. Huataka, she is the goddess of a native tribe in Colombia. She's the goddess of dance, arts, witchcraft, sexual liberation, and the moon. That's basically my Twitter bio. I know. So. Absolutely. Um, she was extremely beautiful. She lived a life full of joy, pleasure, and drunkenness. Whoa. Um, but she was punished by her father uh, for rebelling against his wishes, and he turned her into an owl. Moving on. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's it. Okay. All that's right. It. I'm sorry, girl. Pazuzu. He is the king of the demons of the wind in Babylonian legend. He is the bearer of storms and drought and locusts and shit. And, like, all the just bad stuff. All the bad stuff. Um, and you may have heard his name before because he was the evil spirit that supposedly possessed the girl in the movie The Exorcist. I uh, haven't seen that movie, but it does sound like a sneeze when you say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, he is known to do some good stuff because he fights off this goddess, um, Lamushtu, that sounds right. Um, We're going to roll with who it. Who is uh, the goddess who will harm mother and child during childbirth. No one so wants that one goddess around. Thing. No one wants that around. He does one good thing. You gotta besides... get some good airs. Go outside, breathe in the natural air, be like, Pazuzu, no, that Pazuzu, way. Pazuzu, good. Just All right. accidentally sneeze, save a mother's life. Great. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, next one up, Amit, who is the devourer and soul eater in ancient Egyptian mythology. Uh, she okay. is a female demon who has the body of a lion Ooh, and a twist. hippo and a head of a crocodile. Uh, she is the devourer of the hearts of the dead uh, when they're weighed. So if the heart right. weighs uh, more than a uh, ostrich feather, she devours their heart. So um, weight all of them? 
Well, no. So your heart is supposed to weigh only as much as like the evil deeds that you did in your lifetime. Right. We'll so, talk about it when we do ancient Egypt. Oh, oh damn moving it. on. Okay, okay. Um, she, the people who uh, have their hearts devoured cannot continue on their voyage to Osiris in the afterlife and immortality. Right. The dead then die a second time with their hearts being devoured. Wow, that's rough. All right. So San Pascolito. He is the folk saint and king of the graveyard in um, Guatemala and parts of Mexico. Awesome. Um, he is venerated as a saint. Um, he's associated with curing diseases, but is represented as a skeleton wearing a cape and a crown. Whoa. Um, a friar dying of an epidemic fever saw a tall skeleton in glowing robes when he was in his, like, fever haze. Right. Um, he appeared to him in a vision. The man was told he would die within nine days, but the epidemic would end. When that friar did, Martyred. he became right. um, San Pascolito. That's awesome. Like, he, he burned through his mortal body, but he's here to help you save yours. Yeah, now he's got glowing robes and is a giant skeleton. Like, I, he's out in graveyards. It's I dig awesome. it. I dig the aesthetic not going to appropriate it, but I dig it. Uh, Kyoibiko, the god of knowledge and agriculture in Japan, which is, this is adorable. He is represented as a scarecrow who cannot walk, but is aware and conscious. Uh, it's basically sounds, the Wizard of Oz. That sounds less adorable than like a waking nightmare where like you're trapped in your body and paralyzed and only your eyes can move. He's basically the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz, though. It's adorable. Uh, whatever you say, Jules. Okay. Um, so it's said that he's the god of knowledge because since he stands outside all day, he sees and knows everything that happens in the world. Like a doorman. Yes. If you're interested in good stories in New York City, go talk to some doorman. The doorman is the patron god of knowledge in New York City. I mean, he is, though. I mean, that is true. You need like a single cigarette at three in the morning ask the doorman Kumigwe, uh the god of the undersea world for the natives of the pacific northwest he has a house under the sea that is full of riches and his name means the wealthy one he's the master of seals and his house is made up of living sea lions that that checks out yeah it, that i'm into like, it yeah like sea lion bodies like nothing is better at keeping you know uh water and cold out so it's probably a very loud house too yes probably probably lots of lots of barking for fish so he can also see into the future heal the sick and he enjoys eating the eyes of people who displeased him like apples i hear that eyes are pretty good if you're an undersea god Pretty nice delicacy <laughs> he also has <laughs> rounded fish eyes rows of gills and suction cups like octopus Oh my God, this sounds so dope and also makes so much sense that he is a kind of like wealthy, uh, you know, uh, God or f uh, spirit figure yeah. as well, because you know, that like, like the seal fur and seal body and all those parts like that, that is like such a multifaceted resource yeah. and it makes sense that he controls them. Also, I'm thinking like crash ships, uh, sunken treasure, that sort of thing. That exactly. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wiro, the Maori Lord of Darkness. He is the embodiment of all evil. Hold on. He I'm just checking in with you. Not Wario. No, not Wario. Wiro. Wiro? I mean, it's W-H-I-R-O. Wiro. No. We're Wiro. not going to do the world. <laughs> you. Um, okay. Wiro. So, embodiment of all evil. He lives in the underworld. He is responsible for the ill of every person. Well, I'm checking again. Is, is Wario like their uncle? No, Are they like Wario their older is cousin? The evil, like, twin of Mario. Or, like, evil... They're twins? They're not twins, but, you know, it's like the... I know he's the, like, the, like dramatic foil, Julia. Yeah. I'm not asking about the literary archetype I here. don't fucking know. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. He devours... Uh, Hold on, I forgot already. Who is he? <laughs> Wiro, Lord of Darkness, Embodiment of Evil. Um, when of, people die of Maori culture. Okay, great. Back. 
<laughs> when people die, uh, their bodies go to the underworld. They're devoured by Wirum. He, if he devours enough bodies, the legend says, he will grow stronger and he will eventually break free of the underworld and devour everything on the surface. Well, that sounds bad because the toll of dead people is only rising. Well, interestingly, the reason behind the Maori cremating bodies is because Wiro can't get strength through ashes. Interesting. There you go. I like it. Good explanation of uh, a funeral myth. I like it. But why is why is the evil Wario wearing yellow? No! Yellow is continuing on! <laughs> Olu Khan is the androgynous Orisha, which is worshipped in African mythology and in Santeria. Um, they give their worshipper great wealth, health, and prosperity. They're also, interestingly, the patron Orisha of the descendants of slaves brought over from Africa. Wow. It's really interesting, right? You wouldn't think that would have a patron uh, Orisha, but I'm super into that. Yeah, as um, especially as a group of people who need, you know, guidance, wealth, prosperity, you mm-hmm. know, an extra hand from fate more than anybody else. Yeah, I want to talk about that more, but we're moving on! Okay. The Varuna is the Hindu god of water and the celestial ocean and is also the god of the law of the underwater world. Celestial ocean. Yes. Is that like a like part of the spirituality and, and system of gods? I assume so. Okay. <laughs> we haven't gone to Hinduism yet. No. Yet. Uh, he rides a crocodile-like mount called Makara. He is also the god of termites, scorpions, and eels. And he is said to be the god that you pray to if you wish to be protected from thunder and lightning. Interesting. Like, got full coverage on that one. I know he, like, marshals the infestations that you don't want. Like, you don't want eels in your lake. You don't want termites in your home. Uh, And I guess if you want to control the thunder and the lightning, you, you know, he can bring it. He's totally bringing it. He's bringing the thunder. Oh, no. Weenalagalus. Uh, the war god of a native tribe of British Columbia. He travels the world in a magic war canoe making, you know, war. That sounds like a much better movie than the 15th movie about Chris Hemsworth. I agree. He gives magical powers to red cedar bark for some reason. I mean, they, I, I think it's like a like an important Yeah, they use tree. it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, he is described as thin, tall, black, and has huge eyes like a bat. Um, And he is announced by whistles when he arrives from the north, which in this mythology, the north is the underworld. Wow. Which I guess makes sense. It's like desolate and cold up there. I'm into that. Yeah. Northern winds, you know, serious stuff. Polyphemus. You might know Polyphemus as the Cyclops mentioned in the Odyssey. Okay, I do. Um, He is the son of Poseidon. He has one eye. He's giant. And interestingly, he is one of the first notable stories of a character being a shepherd and a cheesemaker, which I'm so into. Yay, cheesemakers! In the Odyssey, uh, Polyphemus uh, keeps sheep, and when Odysseus and his men discover the giant's cave, he is storing milk and aging cheese there. Not the point of the story, I just think it's super awesome. I love that, that like agricultural production beyond just like raising animals and farming is is present there. so cool. I love that. Why did, why is the Cyclops giant? Side note. Because uh, he's born of a Titan, I think, maybe. It's like he's got oh, a okay. Titan mother and Poseidon's his dad. Something like that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tammuz, the Sumerian god of food and vegetation. But the interesting part is that his worship has a lot to do with a funeral service that his followers throw him every year. Hmm. So basically, at the beginning of the summer solstice, his followers begin a period of ritual mourning, marking the shorter days and the extremely hot days and drought uh, with a six-day funeral for Tammuz, wow. uh, who can only live six months out of the year before dying and then being revived again six months later. 
Uh, definitely reminded me of Persephone, obviously, yes. but like that makes a lot of sense because at the at the height of summer, aren't we all thinking like, oh man, it's the best is over, miserable. it's hot, it's gonna, you know, but like also in the future, like the weather is never gonna get better. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, now we're going to transition uh, more into like spirits, creatures, and monsters. And we're halfway, right? We're halfway through. All right. We, we can do this. We Rally. can do this. Okay. Rally. Okay. The deer woman. Uh, she is a spirit that is actually featured in many Native American traditions. She's normally shown as either a woman or a deer or a mix of both. She is associated with fertility and love and is usually described as a benign spirit. However, her claim to fame is that she lures promiscuous men to their deaths. Yes. My very important question, though, is yes. when she is half deer, half woman, does she have inexplicable boobs like the Russian bird ladies? Uh, no, actually, a lot of times they'll do deer top, lady bottom. Ooh. Yeah, even creepier. Oh, no. Um, anyways, I wish I didn't ask that question. Uh, an appearance of the deer woman can be a message uh, of a need for personal transformation. Yeah, dude. Or is a warning for misfortune on the way. I want to wow. talk so much about her. We're going to do a full We got it. We got it. Okay, moving on. The Baku Kujira is a Japanese creature that's name literally translates to ghost whale. So close <gasps> to ghost shark, I can't even deal with it. Um, so it is a large ghostly skeleton whale that is usually accompanied by strange birds or fish, but they didn't <gasps> specify why these birds and fish are strange. Oh my God. Um in the story, a fisherman tries to harpoon the ghost whale, but the harpoon goes right through it because it's a <gasps> ghost whale, and the whale just floats away. Uh, in most stories, it is said to bring a curse or misfortune on the areas in which it is spotted. Oh my god, I have so many thoughts. Go. Number one, it's the like natural conclusion of Moby Dick. Yes. Where like even even when the actual white whale is not there to hunt, the the specter of the white whale, which it was all along. Spoiler alert: not actually it eats the ship, but no, no, but but like like the the white whale is a metaphor, and the ghost white whale is a metaphor of the metaphor. We're getting double deep Inception level Leonardo DiCaprio metaphors here, Julia. Your English brain is just like. I'm spinning right now. I'm spinning. I'm I'm pulling myself out of my cold to get really enthusiastic about this right now. I'm so proud of you. But also, what if the ghost whale is like a luminescent thing from the deep? Right? Like these strange fish, strange birds. Like what if they're the like glowy angler fish, like dangly thing on the forehead, you know, iridescent albino things from the deep? I want to see this drawing. Someone draw this for us. I know. I know you're out there, guys. Draw it. Bugbear. 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 A creature of British mythology. Is that in d Yes, it is. Oh. Um, it is a boogeyman used to scare disobedient children into behaving. It was originally depicted as a creepy bear that hung out at the edge of the woods, waiting to scare children that wandered <laughs> too far from home. How, uh, how do bears get creepier? It's just, it's a creepy, creepy bear. Um, but oh. in some... It's the bear that, like, hangs around the high bear. school after graduating. Oh, God. Oh, no. S- sells pot to teenagers. I know. Like, has cigarettes for his too young girlfriend and his, like, shitty car. Okay. Listen, okay, in some okay, stories, out, though, out. the bugbear is considered a good thing because the bugbear is chasing the children back home where they'll be safe from creatures that are more malicious than the bugbear. Bugbear is mom's enforcer. Good job. Head good job, accepted. Uh, Cheval Govin is a legendary evil horse from southern France in the Jura Mountains of Switzerland. Whoa. Um, It can be found along rivers, in forests, and creepily in cemeteries. Okay. Uh, Much like our pal the Kelpie, Mm -hmm. it would kill those who mounted it by drowning them or throwing them into chasms and ravines. Not a particular taste for children here? Not great. No, not particular 
uh, taste for children. Just like whoever t- happens to stumble upon it. And I like that. Like, bro, don't ride me. Like, uh, that's not what I'm here for. No. Uh, so it is a harbinger of death, uh, similar to the Grim, and is used as a boogeyman for children. Oh, there you go. It's used as a boogeyman <laughs> for children in the areas of the Alps that the story is told in. I'm getting the sense that peasant families with, you know, more kids and then they have time to mind mm-hmm. uh, mostly are just like, the thing in the forest will get you. The don't, thing at the shore will get you. Touch just the don't touch the weird horse. Don't go away. God damn it, Hans. Don't touch the weird horse. <laughs> drop bear. Drop bear. Drop bear. Not drop box. It is, not bug bear. No. But drop bear. Drop bear. It is a contemporary Australian folklore. The drop bear is almost the exact same thing as a koala bear, except it is carnivorous and predatory. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I can't deal with it. So they're larger than your average koala, and they hunt by inhabiting treetops and then dropping on their unsuspecting victims. Oh my god. Um, it's usually just... It's basically a hoax that's used to frighten tourists or to get them to act ridiculously while they're in the outback. Like someone's like, like wear dumb hats. If you pee yourself, the drop bear would attack you. Like dumb <laughs> shit like that. If you put Vegemite on your like in the back of your ears, the drop bear would attack you. I love that. I love that like any koala at any time could actually be a drop bear. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Alright, Groot slang. Okay, wow. These uh, names are just getting... They're just getting real They're good. just getting... Tri- either, either my Dayquil's kicking in or I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting confused. Um, South African giant snake supposedly as old as the world itself. When the gods Whoa. were still c- new at creating creatures, yeah. they made a mistake. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so they created this giant, giant serpent um, that was violent, had too much strength, cunning, and intelligence... They realized they fucked up, so they tried to split it up, uh, to split up all the Groot slangs into different animals. And there was became, more than one? Yes. It became uh, snakes and elephants. Uh, one oh. escaped. Oh, no. It bore a bunch of children, and now Groot slangs live in caves full of diamonds and devour elephants whole. Uh, okay. Uh, number one, I love that the gods made a mistake. Like, I think it's just really instructive and great. Like, we all fuck up sometimes, try to fix it, but sometimes it'll be bad. Uh, number two, uh, lots of, um, Aboriginal Australians have a kind of, like, snake creation myth that I I think is, like, so, yeah, that's, like, so dope. And I love the idea of a snake as kind of one of the, like, you know, primordial creatures. Uh, and three, sounds a lot like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes, it does. (laughs) Moving on. Okay. Uh, where do you find them? The diamond caves. That's where yes. you find them. Uh, Al Marij. Uh, this is a creature from the Middle East that basically looks like a rabbit with a black unicorn horn. Uh, nope. Um, Don't want it. It's that. about two feet long and is shockingly deadly. <laughs> I feel like that would be your Patronus if yes. your Patronus was a deadly magical creature. 100%. Uh, it's ferociously territorial. It will stab animals and people to death with its horn if they intrude on its land. Is it poisonous or just stabby? No, just stabby. Wow. Um, it also worse. has an immense appetite and it will devour any creature much larger than it very easily. Nope. The only way to get rid of them is to be charmed by a true witch, and they can remove the thing and put it somewhere else. Uh, I love that it's on witch's side. My opinion has reversed. Uh, go, go, rabbit, the horn thing. Cool. Uh, Zaratan. So the Zaratan is actually found in a couple of different mythologies. It is a giant sea turtle 
with an extremely long life, and it is impossibly huge. Um, It's actually so big that oftentimes its shell is mistaken for a small island. Yeah. Uh, The stories of these giant sea creatures are really common in the age of exploration and the expansion of seafaring across the seas. And, you know, they were finding islands all over the joint. They were just like, oh, this one just disappeared the next day, probably because the tides rose. But they were like, no, it's a giant turtle that just swam away. Dennis had too much moonshine last night. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, fuck Dennis. And like saw an island. Oh, it's not there anymore. Uh, sorry, Whoops. cartographer. It was a turtle. Going to your home roots, Amanda. We're going to hear a ridiculous one from Ireland. Bring it. It's called the Salmon of Knowledge. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so this is a salmon in Irish folklore that was once an ordinary salmon. But then it <laughs> Weren't ate... we all, Julia? Weren't we all once ordinary salmon? <laughs> but then, Amanda, it ate nine hazelnuts that fell into the well of wisdom. Okay. Uh, by doing this, the salmon therefore learned all of the world's knowledge. Okay. By eating the salmon, a person can, in turn, gain all the knowledge as well right apparently some irish poet spent seven years fishing for this thing uh typical yeah um okay love that irish myths are always so impoverished yep. <laughs> like it's not this is not a gold bar this is not rumple steel skin it's it's someone had it like it nine seven. hazelnuts more than one hazelnut at a time they're like whoa <laughs> this is really important uh but but what are the physics of this thing like is there just one salmon like it could there's be any one of the salmon. salmons in the river there's one salmon it has no distinguishing features <laughs> it's just a salmon <laughs> it's like the salmon took the limitless pill <laughs> All of a sudden, my grandfather wants to eat Bradley Cooper. Listen, this, That's what this myth is, this essentially. Is Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Only doesn't get a makeover and like starts wearing nice ties and like has a haircut. Exactly. I didn't oh, watch that movie, but that sounds right. I have a I have a shameful place in my heart for it. I find it really entertaining. <laughs> Sharufe. Okay. Is a Mapuche or Chilean creature that is made up of magma and lava. Dope. It inhabits magma pools in the volcanic mountains of Chile. Uh, and Tear it is the fuego. source of eruptions and earthquakes. Now, how do you stop those eruptions and earthquakes, Amanda? Well, the Chirufe, you know, has a hunger for human flesh. Yep. In particular, has a taste for virgin maidens. Naturally. So that means they had to toss virgin maidens into the volcanoes so they wouldn't erupt. Later, in cryptozoological tellings, the Chirufe is a large reptilian humanoid creature. Obvi. Obvi. Like that orange one from X-Men. What? What? Oh, Fantastic Four? The thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Is that its name? Yeah. That's an unimaginative name. Well, I mean, his name is Ben, but his (laughs) codename is The Thing. Uh, I I love picturing these gods with really specific sacrificial demands as like rock stars with a really specific rider. Like they need a they need a bowl of like avocados, M and M's with all the yellow ones picked out, (gasps) and like avocados picked from the tree of knowledge, and like macerated at noon on a sunny solstice like (laughs) only blonde maidens with you know perfectly blue eyes my pas can only be you know short-haired red-headed women over six feet (laughs) all right sorry leshy the leshy is a russian forest spirit that can change their shape and size but usually they're humanoid in stories he will lead travelers astray in the woods or basically just steal children that go too far into the woods 
Um, when not transformed, they have long hair and beards that are made up of vines and other plant life, which help them naturally camouflage. No, Avi. No. Um, they are sometimes considered guardians of particular forests. Um, and one way that he's known to kill travelers is by tickling them to death. Oh no! Seriously, with his vine beard? Yeah, with his vine beard. Oh man! Like, like that creepy dude. Like when you're making out with someone and they have like a little bit of like facial hair and it's like tickling you and you sit, tell them to stop but they keep doing it anyway. I thought you were making a specific dig at me, and I was like, Julia, I have not made out with any creepy dudes. No, of like, course not, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> the Shelly Coat. Let's move on. The Scottish boogeyman who haunts rivers and streams. The name comes from the fact that they wear a coat of shells. I, uh, I could have guessed. Yeah, I could have no guessed. Shit. Good job, Scotland. <laughs> um, Listen, it's cold. They don't have time for extra syllables. So it's the fine. coat of shells uh, rattles when they move, which kind of sounds like bells and shit. They're yep. relatively harmless compared to, let's say, our boy the Kelpie. Um, and they mostly just mislead wanderers traveling through their territory or else pretend to be like someone who's drowning and then laugh at people when they stop to help. Uh, wow. Yeah. Sounds like a specific guy in one town who had like been mythologized sufficiently to have a, you know, cool nickname and lore. Shelly Coat. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. Domovoy. Okay. Uh, a protective Russian house spirit. They are small, bearded, and usually hairy all over. How small are we talking? Like, like elf, mm, goblin, elf. And they sometimes have tails and little horns. Some traditions say that they take on the looks of their previous owner of the house. So if you like oh. sell your house, your the spirit the, stays the with the it. The yeah. boy is gonna look like I the like previous that. owner. I like That's that. That's really cool. Most stories, um, they say that they live either in a stove or in a cattle shed. And if the house they live in is kept in good order, they'll help do chores and stuff, which I think is really cute. <laughs> Positive reinforcement. If it's not, he acts like a poltergeist and basically causes problems in the home. It sounds like most of the people I know who don't take care of their homes could use one of those. Um, <laughs> you can appease a domovoy, though, by leaving him uh, gifts of porridge, milk, or tobacco. Um, and they're oracles. Um, so that basically, if they're singing happy songs, good things are going to happen. If he's strums a comb it means someone in the house is going to get married uh but if he's screaming or wailing misfortune is not far wow it sounds like a really multifaceted and helpful spirit much like the like weasley time clock or something it you is. know or just it is like the weasley time clock of a helpful thing to have around the, the anti-doxy all right the preta found in india and china they are supernatural humanoid spirits that undergo great suffering especially hunger and thirst they're like the literal english translation is hungry ghost Mm -hmm. um, they're supposed to be the spirits of greedy, lying, and jealous people. And because of the bad karma that they experience in their life, um, they turn into a preta and they are given a particular hunger or thirst for a substance. Usually it's something ridiculous and repulsive, like cadavers or blood or like Whoa. shit. I love that. Greed is such a, is such a like superfluous thing like like what marks greed is that you have an, what you need and yet you still want more mm -hmm. and so to have the spirit be characterized by you know by this like incurable wanting to eat shit of not just incurable wanting of like wine but like incurable wanting of something that they actually shouldn't want because yeah. the point of the thing guy is that you should you know accept to love what you have not like always want for more okay uh great point thank you the miling the end is in sight Myling, or also known as the Utbird, they are a Scandinavian phantasm form of spirits of unbaptized babies. 
Okay. Um, they roam the world trying to persuade or bother someone to give them a proper burial. Their origin oh, has no. to do with the tradition of abandoning unwanted children Julia, into the wilderness. Into my world, and then denied baptism. Oh no! Uh, they chase wanderers. Why are you surprised the... by your own research I know, I here? I forgot about this one. <laughs> they chase wanderers at night and jump on their backs, demanding to be taken to a graveyard to be properly buried. They grow heavier the closer they get to the graveyard, so heavy oh that they can God. sink the person they're riding into the dirt. If the because traveler child abandonment is a societal yes. issue, Julie, not a personal I issue. I agree. If the traveler fails to get them to a graveyard, they murder them in a fit of rage. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm so glad I know that, Julia. Thank you. You're welcome. We're on the last one. I hope you're going to end on less of a downer note. <laughs> it is. Okay. Uh, this is the Wolpertinger. Great name already. Uh, this is the German version of the jackalope, but oh, so much better. Okay. Um, it is a creature that has the head of a rabbit, the body of a squirrel. Hold on, hold on. Let me just, let me just get this in my head. Okay, head of a I'm rabbit. Ready. Yep. Body of a squirrel. Yep. Antlers of a deer. Yep. Wings of a pheasant. Whoa, little stubby wings? Well, no, like or they're, pretty they're fluffy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wings. Okay, they're kind of like like a yeah. fan. It allegedly can be found in the forests of Bavaria, and there are quite a few stuffed versions that uh, people oh. have created that are like found throughout Germany. They're ridiculous. I will put pictures in the show notes. Thank you so much. I feel like we need to go to Bavaria, just like all of the castles and, and yeah. witchy shit, like- and like evil. Spirits in the Black Forest. In exactly. Bavaria. Great beer. Monk beer. The the best kind of beer. Good good uh, cheese, too. Good cheese? Mm-hmm. Mm. Monk cheese. Had a plan on this. Uh, Bavarian Tourist Bureau, if you are looking for... Sponsor us. If you're looking for some, uh, some, some nice millennials with web presences to come raise the profile of Bavaria, you got us. And that, Amanda, is 30 fucking myths. Yes! Oh, I feel so good. I feel really good. It'd be perfect if we were 30 this year, too. Yeah. It just made it made it happen. No, we still got like five more years for that. We do. We do. We're babies. We do good. Um, y'all, thank you so much for being with us. I, I don't even know what to say because this this podcast has like changed my life. It really has. It really I was has. just thinking about that. I'm like, I'm in such a better place than I was last February. I know. We were because both Because of this like, podcast. Yeah. And we, whatever, like October, November, I think of 2015, mm-hmm. like we were both feeling really unfulfilled at work and like creatively stymied and like we wanted to you know we just needed something to to work on um and this has brought so many new people into our lives and so much joy to the two of us that we get to spend it with you guys and yeah we get to hear how happy we make you and how happy you make us you teach us things we teach you things just like hearing how you know we're part of your driving to work or you're doing the dishes or you know you save it for when your husband gets home from work like it just every single one of those anecdotes really honestly truly warms my uh, my cold cold selkie heart i love your cold cold selkie heart though thanks babe and thank you for being such a wonderful podcasting partner well, and bringing all the research thank you for running everything else basically i we need to talk about wario when we turn this microphone off fucking wario <laughs> and so that's our myths everyone stay creepy stay cool Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. 
On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.